0: I'm thrilled to speak on this chapter in this book today. I feel like as a uh, missionary myself through the North American Mission Board as a church planter, um, the story of Jonah is one that really resonates with me. I mean, we, I, I live in Nineveh, in Denver, Colorado. There's one evangelical church for every 32,000 people um, in Denver. Um, there's one marijuana dispensary for every 2,094. Um, so I don't know where you are in math. That's not good from where we are, 95. 5% of people are spiritually disconnected from Christ. Um, So nine and a half out of 10 people that I come into contact with every single day in my city are dying and going to hell. Um, And that's really hard for me in the city that God has called me to. Um, And I think this morning, what we're going to see as we kind of roll through Jonah 3 and 4 is we're going to understand that the the biggest thing for us to understand in in dealing with people and in dealing with stories like this is the truth that why we act always determines how we react. Why we act, why we're doing something determines how we're going to respond, if you will. Have you ever noticed that when people are trying to sell you something, they immediately come up and they're like, you've got to do this. got to buy this thing you've got to, that is the complete wrong approach because i'm sitting there like i i ain't got to do nothing right like i don't No, i don't have to do this it's because we're trying to sell with the what instead of the why that we're going to do something right people don't have to buy into what you're doing but they could immediately buy into why you are doing it. If you're a reader there's a great book by a uh, author named Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start With Why that talks about the very nature of all of this. The why behind the what is what engages other people. Um, I, I would say it this way. I'm a, um, I'm a big I hate to admit this, but I'm a big Lululemon fan. Like, that's right. The college kids are laughing at me. It's good. But I'm a big Lululemon fan. And so I could look at you and say, you've got to buy Lululemon. Or I can look at you and say, have you ever needed quality clothing? Have you ever needed some just real quality clothing that lasts a really long time? That, that whether you're going from the workplace to athletic leisure type of Events that you can have the flexibility to wear the same thing while still looking classy and simple at the same time? Have you ever needed clothing that allows you to pick from anything in your closet because this color schemes match in a way that's easy and you don't have to make those decisions? Have you ever needed clothing that just made you feel like a million bucks when you were wearing it? Lululemon is for you. I'm not a brand ambassador for Lululemon, but I do love Lululemon clothes. Start with the why, not the what, because why we act determines how we react. Um, If you're not bought into the reason behind something, the mission, the vision of the church here at Second, then you're just gonna check a box and you're just gonna continue to attend and do the things you've always done. But when you get bought into the mission and the vision and the values that Josh and the team have laid out here, like you, this is your church at that moment. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you're here this morning or watching online and you're a, someone that would say, I'm still processing my thoughts about Christianity, like I'm still engaging, whether I'm believing all of this is true, I could guarantee you that One of the reasons you may still be processing your thoughts about Christianity is because when you were sold on Christianity, it was all about the what you needed to do. It was about the do's and don'ts of how you should act or react. It was about attendance and markers and checking boxes. And so you're going, man, don't sell me on the what, tell me why I need to do those things. We must approach with the why because the why determines how we will react and i'm find it by no coincidence that we are in this book of Jonah as you are walking through you began last week and you're Minor Prophets series, we're gonna continue. If you have a copy of the Bible, do me a favor, turn to Jonah chapter four. I'm gonna kind of give a brief synopsis of chapter three, but we're gonna spend the bulk majority of our time um, in chapter four. Um, If you don't have a copy, we'll have some verses on the screen or you can look on with your neighbor, get to know them real well. Jonah is an incredible story of this man running from what God desired him to do, right? Jonah is called by God to go to the city of Nineveh and preach repentance to this city so that the city would not be destroyed this is his task given by God and Jonah being this like loving kind compassionate prophet willing to do anything that God would tell him to do (laughs) wrong (laughs) not the heart of Jonah right Jonah didn't want to do it at all he's like no I'm not doing that for these people Jonah went the opposite direction. God wanted him to go in, right? You heard about that last week because of his disdain for the city. He literally didn't want the city to be saved. I mean, think about this. A prophet of God didn't want the city to be saved. This is who we're dealing with in this story. And then he tries to run from the presence of God. Can I tell you something? I don't know what God's calling you to do right now. You can't run from the presence of God. You might as well just wrestle with it. You cannot run from the presence of God in your life. You cannot run from what he is calling you to do. You will ultimately have to deal and contend with him. Jonah gets on the ship, as you know, he's, he's on there. And because he's on there, the Lord sends these great winds, right? These people find out that it's Jonah. So they're like, hey bro, you gotta go. And so they throw him overboard. He's in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And Jonah cries out to God, to help him. And guess what? The fish spits him out because God heard his prayer. And guess what? Jonah still had to do what God called him to do. (laughs) We can pray for a leaf. We can pray for all of this kind of stuff, but we still have to contend with what it is that God is asking us to deal with. And so Jonah goes reluctantly to the city of Nineveh. I often, when I read this, I think of Jonah as my kids. I've been married for 15 years. I have four children, three boys and a daughter. Um, The three boys do a lot wrong. The daughter's never done anything wrong in her life she never will do anything wrong in her life. As far as I'm concerned, she just turned six this week. We're 13, 11, nine and six. They're a ton of fun. Um, And I had somebody after service, they said, did you get married at like 10? I was like, no, I'm 41 and I feel every day of it. And uh, so, but we, we, I think of my four kids because when I tell them to do something they don't wanna do, right? They walk off like, you know head down, grumbling, saying something. And like, that's all I can see of Jonah here walking into Nineveh, right? Head down, reluctantly, God made me do it, right? Is what he's thinking. And then he preaches a seven word sermon, shortest sermon known to man. I think some of you are like, I wish Josh would preach a seven word sermon right? Or maybe even a seven page sermon would be good. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, But he preaches a seven word sermon in Jonah chapter three, verse four. He says this, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Period, end of sermon, end of message. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. And guess what? Jonah's biggest fear happens. (laughs) They repented. They turned from their ways. And you know what God did? He relents from the disaster. They repented and God relented. If you look at Jonah 3 verse 10, it says this, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with and he did not do it. I mean, just think about that church. God relented because of their repentance. And so then we're stuck wondering, how's Jonah feel about that, right? I wonder wonder how that made Jonah feel after they repented and God relented because he certainly did not want that to happen. And then that's what chapter four is about. It really reveals the heart of Jonah. And so turn with me there, of four, I'm gonna read verses one through 11. And let's just talk about the implications of what this means to you and I today and how we see the heart of God in all of this. By the way, I, I'm a very kind of talk back, you know, you can talk in church, it's okay. Um, so I may ask you to say a word or two, right? I actually, not only did I go to the University of Tennessee, I cheered at the University of Tennessee. We can talk about that later if you need to, if you have questions, it's fine. I'm okay, I'm comfortable. I wear Lululemon and I cheered. I mean, I'm comfortable in my manhood, right? And, and so I'm, I'm comfortable there. And so I, I I like this, I'm passionate. I had one person said, well, I was hoping you'd talk slower than Josh, but you talk just as fast as he does. Um, And I'm excited and passionate. I hope you are too, because we're dealing with the word of God here, the presence of God and the word of God. And it says this in chapter four, verse one, it says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Do me a favor, say the word displeased. Just get that into your mind of Jonah mad and displeased because these people repented and avoided destruction. Says he prayed to the Lord, please Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Man, sounds like a terrible God, right? And he says in verse three, and now Lord, take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide, great, uh, to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. By the way, just put a pin in that. He's greatly pleased with a plant, but displeased with people repenting. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising in verse eight, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. In verse 10, it says, so the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals. And then it just leaves us hanging. Let's pray and see what the implications are for us today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that when our hearts are not in tune and aligned with yours, we can be just as petty as Jonah is here, but we don't get to sit in that pettiness because we see your story of redemption. We see your heart for the people and then we can try to align our hearts for the people just as you would desire to see them lovingly, compassionately, graciously. Lord, do the work that only you can. We love you and we praise you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. You see, why we act determines how we will react, and we just saw a really poor reaction from Jonah here, right? something great that was happening, repenting and relenting of God from disaster with Nineveh. But we see a reaction that is very poor. And the reaction is poor because Jonah's heart was not in the right place. Jonah's heart was not in tune with God's heart here. And if we are going to avoid reacting, you and I are going to avoid reacting in the same way that Jonah does when we deal and contend with people like people in the city of Nineveh, and then we have to understand the why behind the what. And I think for us to understand the why behind the what, we've gotta know the heart of God and the heart of man. These are two ways that the heart really shows itself. So these two ways, I think we need to be in tune with so that we don't react the same way that Jonah did. The first way is this, God's heart, the one that we should strive to live towards is wrapped up in people. God's heart is wrapped up in people. Listen, Jonah is not the main character of this story. I think far too many times we see this story and we think of Jonah and we are talking about him and we judge him for the way he reacted, but Jonah is not the main character of this story. God is. God is the main character and the people of Nineveh are also the main characters. You see, this story is a story about the redemption of God. Too often, we look at it as just Jonah, but this is a story about the redeeming nature of the God that we serve. That no matter how far people are, no matter how wicked they may seem, no matter how many people want to see them destroyed and not even taken care of, they are not too far from the outstretched hands of God. That's the story that we see here. They are not too far to be able to repent and turn from their wicked ways and to walk with God as the people of Nineveh are shown to do here. You see, this is ultimately a story of God redeeming the world. You see, God's heart is wrapped up in people. God's heart is to redeem the world. That's the nature of the God that we get a chance to serve. It's wrapped up in people that are far from him. And this has been the case from generation to generation. And it was the case with you at one point, if you're a follower of Jesus. God's heart was so wrapped up in you that you were far from him, that he saved you. And we cannot forget that when we read the story of Jonah. Look what God says in verse 11 at the very end. It says, so may I not care about the city, a great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people and who who cannot distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals? You see, God cares, God loves, His heart is wrapped up in people that are far from him, doing things against his very nature is the story of Jonah. And and speaking honestly for a moment, this goes against every atheistic conversation that we have. I live in a city where 95% of people are spiritually disconnected from Christ. So I have multiple conversations about God and who he is. And a lot of times, more times than not, some of the conversations that I have are, hey, how can God be a loving God? And this happened to me. How could God be a loving God and my family walk through cancer like this? How can God be a loving God and we see all the destruction that is going on around the world? This is where the world is thinking. They are imagining God being a loving God and only good things happening. It's been the case for a long time. One of the most noted uh, atheists that we would know would be a man named Richard Dawkins. This is a quote from Richard Dawkins about the God of the Old Testament. He says this, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Okay, he started off like that. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malvolent bully is who he thinks the God of the universe is. And to that, I would say that he's probably never read the story of Jonah. He's probably not picked up the scriptures and seen the loving, compassionate, caring hand of God all throughout it. He's never experienced or thought about the own grace upon his own life that was undeserved and unwarranted. You see, we see an entirely different heart of God in all of the scriptures. In fact, we know that God is none of those things. He takes an evil and a wicked Nineveh and relents from disaster because they repented. None of us deserve the grace of God. In fact, if we read this story and we start to think about people that are really far from God, Ninevites, we have forgotten how much the gospel actually means to you and I. If we only read this story and we think about people that can be turned from their wicked ways and come to know God, we have forgotten that we were those people with those wicked ways that God saved. And we see that God's heart is wrapped up in redeeming people no matter how far they are from him. So much so that he sent his only son to die a death he didn't deserve to redeem and to justify freely. And that's true, no matter how far you are from God. I think the question we have to ask in this story of Jonah and these Ninevites, the story of God and his redemption is, is your heart wrapped up in people the same way that God's is? Do you think of people and you just think of all the things they need to get taken care of, all the things they need to do differently, how far they are from God? Or do you have the same heart that God does for them, willing to relent in nature if they turned to God? No matter how much they may have scorned you or how much they may have hurt you. As a matter of fact, one of the things I want you to do right now if you have a journal or a Bible or even in your phone, I want you to think of someone that has hurt you. I want you to think of someone that you drive by and you think I'm not talking to them. I want you to think of someone that you go next to and you think I, they, they are too far from God. I don't know that God can ever forgive them for the things that he is doing. Or maybe it's someone that has like really personally hurt you. And I want you to write their name down. And in the right time, I want you to text them or call them or email them and let them know that you forgive them. You don't have to forget what happened, but you forgive them and you want them to know that you love them in the same way that God loves them. Because no matter what they did to you, God and his heart is wrapped up in people and he still loves them. And guess what? So should you, because that's the heart and nature of the God that we get to serve. God's heart is wrapped up in people. But the second way that we can identify the way hearts are wrapped up is really how our hearts are wrapped up, right? The second way is that man's heart is wrapped up in self. Um, Show of hands, did you know that we're a selfish people? Right, okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're either lying or you just don't raise your hand in church, right? We're a selfish people. Like we don't wanna hang out with Alabama fans because they've had way too much success, right? We don't wanna hang out with people that are not like us. Typically, we don't hang out with people that don't think like us, talk like us, walk like us, or dare I say, vote like us. And and so we're a selfish people, we do that. And our heart is wrapped up in our self. I'm there with you. And we find this out immediately about Jonah, don't we? Verse one says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Why? Because his heart is wrapped up in itself. And how do we know that? Look at verse six. Verse six says, "'Then God appointed a plant.'" Okay? He's greatly displeased because of salvation, but now we got a plant. "'And it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head "'to rescue him from his trouble.'" Guess what? Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant, When you study the original languages here, this greatly pleased and greatly displeased are of the same grammar type, meaning they're they're coming from the same family. Jonah is pleased with the salvation provided to him of the plant and displeased with people he didn't like, repenting and God relenting on what was going on. Why? Well, it reveals his heart is wrapped up in himself. He's happy because he was taken care of with this plant. Jonah's salvation caused by the plant pleased him in every way. But Jonah's heart wasn't wrapped up like God's was. It was wrapped up in himself and not in other people. It's crazy too, because Jonah wasn't in harmony with God. The prophet of God should have been in harmony with what God wanted to have happen. And he wasn't in harmony with him, was he? That's why he ran. But then you have this wicked people over here who we would go, their heart is not in harmony with God, but their heart was actually in harmony with God because they repented prophet of God, not in harmony, wicked people in harmony with God. And before we think, how could Jonah do that? Sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we have people far from God, pagan culture. Look at the world that we live in. Believe me, I live in the city of Denver. I know this probably more than most. And we think, man, how evil they are. And why are they evil? I think I'm reminded of uh, the book of James, Jesus's half brother, right? Writes the book of James in New Testament and chapter four, verse one, he gives us the reason. There's this selfish heart that we have that causes this conflict. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? Selfishness wages war in our souls so much. You don't have to turn on the news too long to know the passions within us that cause wars among us, do we? You don't have to jump on social media and not quickly find out that the passions within us wage wars among us. Nearly everything that we are seeing in the dissent nature in our cultures and communities today is because the passions within us wage wars among us. At the end of the day, yes, I'm going to do the things I've given the right and ability to do here on earth, but my focus is the kingdom of God first. And I'm gonna focus on that fully and wholly until my city comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can put away some stuff of the day so that I can focus on the things of tomorrow. But the passions within us cause wars amongst us. We hear things like, I want, I need, I should have had. It should have been me instead of them. Why are they getting this? Why can't I do this? For those married in the room, we knew that when we tried to come together as one flesh, right? I'll stay on the clothes line since I talked about Lululemon earlier. I really don't have a problem with clothes, but it's just an easy one, right? I remember when we got married originally, right? I'm, I'm single, I've got an apartment, I got a house that I lived in, you know, a couple of different times. I've like, like this closet, I could put whatever I wanted to in there, right? Sporting gear, guns, clothes. It was my closet, I could do whatever I wanted to, right? And then I got married. And some ladies are laughing in the room because I realized that like I have this room that's like this big, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you put your stuff over here in this corner? Right? I think at one point my wife even asked me if I could just put stuff in Chester drawers, like don't even use the closet, right? And immediately like I'm bowing up, you know? I'm like, man, this my selfish heart came out of like, man, this is, this is mine, this is 50-50, right? Or how about those of you with kids? If you have kids, um, my kids are great. They love sports. Um, they are incredible students. Um, They love the Lord Jesus, all but one of them, so far our youngest knows Christ, been saved and baptized. Um, But sometimes when I'm watching football on Saturday, they wanna do stuff like throw the football or go play baseball or dad, can you shoot basketball with me? Don't they know that I want, it's a one scored game with three minutes left. It's almost like they do know and they're testing me, right? And how selfish am I to think this is about me watching this game. This is about me wanting to do what I want to do when I've got kids yearning to spend time with their dad. We're selfish people in nature. You see, what I realized in this story is that Jonah wanted grace for him, but he wanted justice for them. He wanted grace for himself, but he wanted justice for them. You ever been there? You ever thought, man, those people, those wicked people in that neighborhood That person, right? They deserve this. But hey, Lord, if you'll throw me a little grace over here in this thing that I did, it'd be all right. Or we like look at the like legal system and we want justice in all of these areas and we call for it and we should rightfully so. But then we're like, hey, I mean, I know I was speeding, but like I was in a hurry to get to this place. Can you just let this be a warning? Jonah wanted grace for him, but justice for him for them and we are the same in nature. And it's because his heart was wrapped up in himself. Does your heart bleed for other people or only for you? Like, do you celebrate the promotion that you didn't get? Do you celebrate the single friend that's finally found the significant other, but you haven't? Do you celebrate the pregnancy that you're struggling with, but someone else has? Do you celebrate the home improvement that you can't afford right now, but other people can? You see, when we understand the heart of God, we try to display the heart of God. When we understand the why behind the what, we want to react with the why. When we focus on his heart instead of ours, the lives of those around us look differently. When we start to understand his heart, the people that we think are too far gone from him look differently, they're made in his image instead of the image I want them to be made in. Why we act determines how we react. And what God is showing us here is we have an invitation in this story to seek after his heart over our own. When we pour into the scriptures in what I call God time daily or your quiet time, we're encouraged to have the heart of God every single day with what we read. We want to live that day with the heart that we find of God instead of after our own heart. And I think here's the why behind the what. Why do we want to have the heart of God? I think there's two reasons. Number one, God knows better than we do. Just say amen if you think God knows better than we do. Like God knows better than we do. I'll I'll never forget this. We were uh, 2021, uh, we took a camping trip to the Smoky Mountains right before the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, that summer, uh, my wife's family uh, lives in Knoxville and, uh, and my family is in Memphis. And so we decided to drive, we drove our little camper, we camped with them, and then we were gonna go to the Southern Memphis convention that week. And so my family took our kids on to Memphis and then we were going to catch up with them um, in Memphis, grab our kids and then go on into Colorado. Right? And and so we're there and and we dropped the kids off after camping with my family. Uh, We were gonna have one last lunch with Libby's family, my wife. And, And so my family took the kids and went on. They left about two hours before we did. Now, I'm from Memphis. I've driven 40 from Memphis to Knoxville, what feels like 7 million times, right? By the way, I've also driven 40 from Memphis to Little Rock, 7 million. And I would take away all 7 million if I could that is the worst stretch of 40 ever because of the truckers that are on there, right? Anybody, can I get an amen for that too, right? And if you're a truck driver, I'm sorry. Um, and, and so, uh, but I'm going and I know it like the back of my hand, right? I don't need a map. I don't need anything to drive from Knoxville to Nashville because I've driven it 7 million times. But I also know that we live in a day and age where we have technology that may know a little bit better than I do of what's ahead of me that I don't know, right? And so my parents took off two hours before us. I get in the car, I pop on Waze or Google Maps, right? I pop it on, it says, backed up. So I take a side road and about 30 miles into the trip, I passed my parents who went two hours before I did. Why? My dad thought he knew what he was doing, right? I got this, I'm a man, is kind of how he responded. And sometimes we do the same thing with God, but do you know what, God knows better than we do. One of my favorite theologians is a singer songwriter by the name of Garth Brooks. And um, Garth Brooks got a song that says, sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? They're really not unanswered. The answer was just no. But you think about God knowing better than we do, and I can't thank God enough for the no's that He gave me when I wanted a yes desperately. Like the ex-girlfriends I thought I needed to marry and did not because I clearly didn't know what I was doing. Like the jobs I thought I wanted, but I did not get because God clearly knows better than I do. Church, I'm telling you, one of the reasons we need to have hearts in tune with God is because God knows better than we do. The second reason is this, God's heart is infinitely better than ours. Infinitely better than ours. Show of hands real quick, if you know someone that's hard to love. Okay, y'all popped up way faster then, right? This is good. If they're in the room, don't look at them, that becomes awkward, okay? But did you know that there are people in the room that are hard to love, right? I don't know who they are, it's my first time here. But you do, and you may be one of those people if you don't know anyone. Seriously though, if we know someone that's hard to love, can I tell you something? God loves them infinitely more than you can possibly think He does. I live in a city in Denver where 95% of the people don't have the same ideologies that I do. Where people are living and celebrating things that I would never live or celebrate. And I have to tell myself every single day, God's heart is infinitely better than mine because he loves them infinitely more than I can ever love them. He desires for them to repent so that he can relent. He desires for them to repent so that they can have a relationship with him forever in heaven. God still loves that person that you just thought about. And those people that are doing things that you're thinking of that are totally against the things that God desires him to do. God's heart is infinitely better than ours. That's why we need his heart. His love is infinitely greater. His compassion is infinitely more. Church, do you have the heart of God or do you have the heart of man? That's the question that we have to wrestle with. You see, you and I must be motivated by what motivates God, not what motivates us, because our hearts are always going to be wrapped up in ourselves. Like there are over 2 billion people that are dying and going to hell today if the Lord were to come back. Dying and going to hell. And we're worried about plants providing us some shade 2 billion people, that if the Lord should come back today, they would spend an eternity separated from Him. I'll just be honest, it haunts me, not rightfully so, this is my own heart, when I hear people, come Lord Jesus, quickly. It's scripture, I'm fine by that. But where my heart stirs is that none of my neighbors know Jesus Christ. The 10 houses that live closest to me, none of them know Jesus Christ. And when I see, come Lord Jesus, all I see is they're going to hell, separated from God. And believe me, they say things and do things like the Ninevites, but I don't need to sit around and worry about the shade on my head. I need to be constantly focused on telling them the hope that they have in the person and work of Jesus. We can't be caught up in what motivates us. We have to be caught up in what motivates God. Like we're worried about plants providing the shade for our head. We're worried about the programs that we love. We're worried about the traditions that we love. We're worried about the knowledge that we desire to have. We're worried with our things that we want. We need to focus on things like sending capacity of these gin senders that are going to live in cities far from God so that people can come to know them. We need to worry about starting churches that start churches. We don't need to be worried about the castle that we have, but we need to be worried about the kingdom of God. We need to be worried about sending missionaries and raising up the next generation. We don't need to look at the next generation and say, well, they're not ready. We need to send them. We need to raise them up. We need to lead them. We need to develop them. We need to encourage them and send them out into a city that desperately needs them here in Conway, Arkansas. Those are the things that are in tune with the heart of God. And what we see from this story is that God doesn't just want your obedience. He doesn't just want your church attendance. He doesn't just want you to check a box and do the things he's asking us to do, but he wants your heart, church. He wants you to love people that are far from him in a way that you've never loved them. He wants you to pray for people that are far from him that you would never even want to begin praying for. He wants you to have a heart that is in tune with his. That's the why. Jesus has so much more in store for us when our hearts are in tune with his instead of our own. The question we have to ask ourselves as we get ready to respond here is, is your heart wrapped up in you? Or is it wrapped up in others? Uh, are you more concerned about the people that think like you, vote like you, walk like you, talk like you? Or do you desperately want to see people that are far from God, saved, raised up to walk in newness of life, encouraged, equipped, living a missional life in the communities that God calls them to, and helping other people hear the gospel for the first time. One of the things we say at our church every week is, the gospel came to me on its way to someone else. The gospel at some point came to you on its way to someone else. Who is that someone else? Is it people like the Ninevites that you don't want to engage with? Is it the person that God brought to your mind earlier that you need to text? Because the gospel came to you on its way to them. You may be the one running. You may be the one not wanting to see God relent after the people repent. But ultimately this is not for you and it's not only for them. It's about the praise and the honor and the glory we give God because of the redeeming nature that he has, that he gave us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By the way, church, you wanna talk about sacrificing for people that weren't in, in need of sacrificing for? That's God sending his only son, Jesus, to die a death he didn't deserve. By the way, not for the worst person that can come to your mind, but for you, like for you. And if we've forgotten how far from God we were and how much we needed and still need the gospel, then our heart is nothing more than wrapped up in ourselves. So the question is, is our heart wrapped up in ourselves or can we have the heart of God? living and leaning into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus dying on a cross because we put him there with our sins, buried in a tomb and risen on the third day so that if we believed, if we ask him to forgive us, he was faithful to do so. And if we ask him to lead our life, he would do it. And we have a right relationship with him forever in heaven. If we repent, he relents from the destruction that we were headed towards. That's the story of Jonah. That's the story Of having a heart wrapped up in the heart of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.